The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Fast Money starts right now, live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, David Seberg, Brian Kelly, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, General Electric's moment of truth is coming next week at its investor meeting on Monday. And one of our traders bought shares today. He'll tell you why he thinks the worst is over. Plus, it's a biotech beatdown. This group of stocks nearing correction territory after a very rough month. So are any of the traders buying this dip? And later, Bitcoin's wild ride, it surged for record highs, but down 7% today. So given all the volatility, why are investors still diving in? BK's got some thoughts. But first, we start off with Alibaba Singles Day, the largest online shopping day in the world. Last year, the Chinese e-commerce giant grossed $18 billion. So let's check in with Eunice Yoon, who's in the middle of the action in Shanghai. Hi, Eunice. Hi, good morning, Melissa. Sales just crossed $13 billion, and that's not too shabby considering that most analysts believe that this number could go as high as $24 billion after this whole 24-hour period, 24 period ends. Now, Singles Day, as you know, started as this uh, anti-Valentine's Day. It was for lonely hearts. But then in 2009, Alibaba transformed it into this shopping extravaganza, inviting A-listers like Nicole Kidman this year to come to the festivities. And in terms of uh, the international presence, it was really unprecedented so far this year. 60,000 international brands in total, 7,000 American ones. And in terms of which uh, American companies are turning out to be the best sellers, Apple, Nike, New Balance, The Gap, and Estee Lauder, also the U.S. so far is the second best-selling country to Chinese consumers. Now, all the talk is not only about sales, but also Alibaba's initiatives to try to transform the whole retail landscape. Alibaba really believes that the Chinese consumer is about to change the way it, they shop. Uh, that's one of the reasons why Alibaba wants to leverage their technology as well as their online platforms and users and uh, integrate it into physical stores. We saw um, over the past uh, year or so Alibaba investing about $8 billion into uh, malls, uh, department stores, as well as supermarket chains. And it's a supermarket chain that Alibaba has been holding up as this uh, potential shining light of what the future for retail could be here. The supermarket chain is called Hema. It is sort of like this uh, Chinese version of a high-tech uh, Whole Foods. And the idea behind it is that Chinese shoppers would go into the supermarket and use their mobile phones to scan products, get more information about them, and also then uh, place orders online, eventually getting deliveries within 30 minutes. Or they could actually put their groceries back into their baskets and 
and at the end of the process at the checkout line they get their faces scanned with facial recognition and that is the way they pay so the technology is really advanced and interesting but what's also interesting I think is the way Alibaba through their uh, physical stores would be pricing um, all of this because they want to standardize the pricing for online and offline which is quite interesting considering department stores and uh, supermarket chains are very expensive to run and I asked the Alibaba PR about this and they said that they believe in the long-term vision and uh, that this is a long-term investment for them. All right, Eunice, thank you. Eunice Yoon for us in Shanghai, and Alibaba is on track for its best year since going public. The stock is up 112% this year alone. This is, by the way, a $500 billion company. That's about the size of Facebook. So do you keep betting on Baba here, Tim? You absolutely do. Uh, and, got, you know, it's singles days for the lonely hearts, so there's a place for you out there. <laughs> and for all those people that have missed this trade because they thought the numbers were bogus or whatever, you're brokenhearted. This stock, uh, first of all, has outperformed uh, most stocks in the tech sector, has outperformed Amazon, trades at a cheaper multiple. This singles day is going to knock the cover off the ball. And they, you know, they may mix in some offline, too. What you heard Yuna saying is that their business model is going similar to the road of Amazon, which is that they do have an offline presence where there is a retail physical presence. In addition to the international, uh, trades at one times PEG ratio. That's basically your PE divided by your growth rate. That is significantly cheaper, folks than most of the big tech names over here. Especially, especially, especially Amazon. Amazon. Especially, yeah. especially Amazon. Well, look, you look at Bob, Bob's incremental margin. This, this, the mo- off their model, right, this marketplace model, the incremental margin is massive. The opportunity for them is massive. I think this, this company definitely has legs up 110% year-to-date or not. The TAM in China is massive. The total competition, addressable market. Total addressable market. Is the, the competition is less, so therefore I can make an argument that at 22 times EBITDA next year, I would say I'd rather own Baba over an Amazon. Well, you got to like any company that can essentially take a made-up holiday and turn it into a multi-billion dollar like day Amazon. for them. Like Amazon. Like wow. Amazon. So now I've got... Prime Day is a copycat, exactly. by the way. It's precisely. Exactly. It's, I mean, good on you. If anybody ever tells me that Bitcoin has problems, come on. This is a made-up holiday. Prime Day, this day, all of it. Brian's about but to make the Bitcoin holiday. Yeah, good day. We'll good for them to do it. For another I show. still like the stock. I actually probably, you know, valuation-wise, clearly, as Tim points out, you want to own this more, the Amazon of China. Why wouldn't you want to own that? So, I mean, we all seem to be in accord here. And it's good. It's good night to be in unison and everybody's happy. Right. So let me play devil's advocate for a second. Why do we think that you sound scorned, by the way, on singles day? I'm just I got nothing to gain or lose from singles day. And you know it. I've said it a number of times. The next time I buy something online will be the first time. (laughs) So I have not visited the Alibaba website. Comes as no surprise. But you have to ask yourself the question. If they're kicking it like they seem to be, then why do they trade at such a discount to a company like Amazon? Not suggesting it should be there, but the multiples should be higher. And I would submit, and Tim can push back on this, maybe people are concerned that there's a um, potentially a counterfeit market in China, right? Potentially. Yes. That they're going to have to, they being Alibaba, is going to have to deal with at a certain Uh, point A lack of transparency on their balance sheet, inflated... Gross. Right. But here's here's the thing that blows me away, guys. Because actually, their acknowledgement of this and their 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 interest in ridding this out and rooting this out is something that actually they're getting heat for. 
Look, bottom line is China has never been a bastion of protection of intellectual property. There's been a lot of issues. Trump's been talking about this very aggressively while he's been out in Asia. He's right. Uh, but I do think this is a company that is giving, uh, I think, a discount because they believe not only is a lot of this stuff counterfeit, but that Big Brother in China is going to at some point derail them when they don't like what they're doing. I think it's exactly the opposite. Again, national champion companies in emerging markets are allowed to succeed because the government lets them do it. Yeah, I mean, if you look at some institutional holders in the U.S. here and say, gun to head, would you buy Baba? They'd love to buy Baba. They just can't through their mandate. So it's absolutely either a trust issue or a structural issue with the investment funds. But I'd say to you, in general, you're right. So it, I think the stock here, you're right, it's a discount, Mel. This is a layup buy, in my opinion. But that's a, a problem if institutional investors can't because buy you know it. Because where's the buying pressure going to come from? ETFs in China, specifically dedicated to China. I know of really one dedicated house that's, that's there. They're going to start to build up more and more. And I think that as you get more and more investment through those types of vehicles directly and specifically but in China, invest in, I think that Baba... institutional ha, invest? I mean, by well, the way, this depending, is third well, point's largest holding could, right no, now. Listen to me. Certain funds, I'm okay. saying, not all, not institutional but, investors, certain funds cannot invest in it, and it's a trust issue by yeah, mandate. I, 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 it's not like this is an anti-ESG play. I right. mean, this is, this is a company that people, you either get comfortable with corporate governance, you get comfortable with the transparency or lack thereof, or you stay away. Right. But as Melissa's pointed out, this, this stock sits on the overweight list of some of the biggest hedge Please. funds in the world, no not only because of the growth, but because they can own it, because they can put on a 30, 40, 50, right. $100 million position. There's liquidity out there. To say it's a layup after it's had this, this I mean, I, I hear you what you're the, saying. I think we. I, I think there's some nervousness in that the company's had a great run. I will say, I think the company before this September quarter, where they knocked the ball out of the park, uh, Tater actually they guided down expectations. I think expectations are lower. News alert here on Hasbro and Mattel. Let's get to Morgan Brennan in the newsroom for the details. Morgan. Hey, Melissa. Well, I guess you could call this a toy tie-up. We've got some headlines crossing from Dow Jones right now that Hasbro has made a takeover approach to Mattel. Uh, Mattel has about a $5 billion market cap value. Hasbro's is about $11 billion. Now, if this sounds kind of familiar, it's because we've heard of these types of uh, talks before. You'll recall back in February of 2016, CNBC's David Faber reported that the two had discussed a merger back then, but that the talks had stalled. Well, now, uh, according to this new report, uh, Hasbro has approached Mattel again. Shares of Mattel, which is the maker of Barbie and Fisher-Price, are down uh, more than 45% this year. Uh, whereas Hasbro is higher. Hasbro makes Play-Doh and Nerf, among other brands. If you take a look at shares of Mattel, they're now up 21% in after-hours uh, trading. Back over to you. Morgan, thank you. Morgan Brennan in the newsroom. For more on this developing story, let's bring in Dennis Berman, financial editor at The Wall Street Journal. And Dennis, um, one of the reporters who works for you actually broke this story. Yeah, so the exact perfect person to have <laughs> on at this point. Uh, in terms of what precipitated this, obviously the toy industry has had some problems, but what role did the bankruptcy of Toys R Us play in all this? Well, Toys R Us uh, bankruptcy in some ways is a leading indicator of everything else going on in the right. world, which is that kids don't want toys. They want mommy and daddy's phone. And if you look at their behavior and how it's moving to an online and a technologically based environment, it just makes it harder to sell toys. So Toys R Us is just the canary in the coal mine. It seems inevitable that there's going to be some combination of these two or, or something else. So... Uh, I was here to talk Bitcoin, and we had to switch to this because it's such interesting, important news. Yeah. Yeah. What is the um, uh, the willingness here? Do we have CEOs, for instance, <laughs> who are of age who might want to sell companies? I mean, what what are some of the factors? Of age, I like at? that term. Uh, <laughs> look, I, I I can tell you what's in the story. Uh, the story says that the approach was made from Hasbro to Mattel. If you look at the fortunes of the two companies, they've really 
diverged in the last year or so, and uh, Hasbro has gotten more valuable than, than Mattel, which has really had a lot of problems. I think Mattel brought on someone from Google. Uh, if that says anything about the world, that uh, there's a Google person well, now. That would be my Mattel. point, Dennis. So, so Mattel has been a turnaround story that's been going in reverse, and they ultimately brought in, there's, there's supposedly a technological angle to this. Look, I'm long the stock on this turnaround, and, and frankly, seeing the stock up, you know. Hey, you're feeling seven, good. Feeling good, although, again, at 22, to, at 22 bucks, I thought the stock was cheap. It was trading roughly 20% cheap to its five-year average. So yeah. this is the question. What's the multiple in this sector? And do you think these guys, is one plus one equal three? Probably not. I think one plus one is lucky to equal two and a half. And if, what would you put a multiple on a toy company right now? Five times? Five and a half, five, five yeah. six times. Five, well, six I, think, times? Look, I think that's, it, that's the, the baseline. I think the prove me is you could get up to eight or nine if these guys have brands. And again, they have brands at Mattel. They have Barbie. They have, they have Cars 3. They have things that ultimately, I think, have content you know, ability to be sold up the scale to the right, big But then they're companies. squeezed by these licensing deals on one side. They're squeezed by cheap uh, imports from China on the other. Like the ability to make a buck in that business, in that environment, uh, is pr- maybe, you know, four Dennis, to five times is a what about What about other suitors? I mean, I can't think of necessarily anybody, but have you, ha- are other people approaching Mattel here? Are we going to have a proxy, I, or I, not a proxy, but a, a, a bidding war? It's the perfectly uh, right question. I don't know the answer. I would think that there's got to be four or five Chinese companies that we've never heard of that would probably be yeah. interested. Yeah. I almost feel like we're, we're treating this very myopically if we're, we're to think that only Hasbro and Mattel as a combination are the only, is the only combination that could exist. When we have somebody potentially like an Amazon who might want to sell their own private label toys uh, or a tech company who might want to inject tech into some of the toys or, that exist. I mean, you want to throw Disney in the mix? They Disney seem to be, the they seem to be on a shopping spree. It, it's interesting to me, and I throw this out, to your yeah. one plus one equals three. The combination of these two symbols gets you hazmat. Think about oh, that for a second. On, so maybe wow. I'm just throwing it. Wow. It's very clever. Look, well done. Well, it's clever. Yeah. Yeah. Here's, Here's what I'll say about Toys R Us, and this is what we heard from a couple of these companies. If Toys R Us was so integral to our business, we would have right. saved them. Right. All right. So bottom line is Toys R Us hits you in the fourth quarter, your biggest holiday season, where obviously they're not going to be as open for business as you wanted them to be. But to say that Toys R Us, it is, you're absolutely right, Dennis, it's representative of a, of a secular problem Amazon, in the industry. Amazon but, controls but, retail but, of toys. Yeah. Not so, toys I mean, I can buy Barbie too. through Amazon, and I do all the time. <laughs> you do have a daughter. Yes, I do. Say, just, and a, and a yeah. son, for that matter. Dennis, thank you. Hey, we'll keep you posted. Yes. Go to WSJ.com. Definitely. I may say. Yeah. Thanks. Dennis Berman right. of the Wall Street Journal. So you are long, Mattel. Yeah, and, and so here, what do you do here? Here's where you, you are. You say good riddance, I'm out. Look, the, the, <laughs> the bottom line is Mattel has, has disappointed people. When they just came out with these numbers, they basically said, you know, we are nowhere near our June uh, full-year top-line forecast. And when you hear that kind of stuff from a company that continues to actually miscalculate their business, then the stock over, over, over trades to the downside. Remember, they pulled the dividend or they cut it substantially. This was at one point a 7% dividend stock, and it was a place people could hide out and say, hey, look, their balance sheet isn't terrible. Their balance sheet isn't terrible, but they're obviously trying to cut costs. I stay in this name right now for sure. I, I totally agree with the fact that the costs in this model are just crazy, and there's no way for them, in my opinion, to really execute and make money efficiently. I look at it and say there's no way I'd touch any of these names. I look at technology names. Coming up, the big box retailers, Home Depot, Target, Walmart, all on deck for earnings next week. We'll tell you the one name traders say is a screaming buy ahead of the reports. Plus, Bitcoin surging to new records before sinking, uh, crashing actually $1,000 in the last two days. So why are millennials so eager to buy it? And later, red hot IPO Roku up a staggering 80% this week following its earnings. But if you miss the run, don't worry. We've got a way to buy it for less. Much more fast money right after this.
Welcome back to Fast Money. Take a look at Bitcoin now down about 7% this week after plunging from all-time highs made just on Wednesday. Dom Chu's in the newsroom breaking down what is behind Bitcoin's wild ride. Hi, Dom. Well, Melissa, I'd want to say that it's been a roller coaster ride for cryptocurrency traders and investors, but the reality is it's pretty much been a straight shot higher over the last few weeks, especially in places like Bitcoin. Now, until the last few days or so, that's kind of what we saw, but then the last few days were pretty rough. We did see record highs for Bitcoin earlier this week, pushing to just shy of $7,900 since dropped by then like a thousand bucks in just two days the sharp move towards record highs happened on the heels of reports that some of the key people in the bitcoin ecosystem decided not to go ahead with a software update that would have created an offshoot or fork kind of like what happened with the creation of things like bitcoin cash and bitcoin gold the intention was to try and increase capacity to speed up transaction times also decrease costs the problem was a lot of developers working around bitcoin Bitcoin came out opposed to it. After those plans were scrapped for the upgrade, it brought some more clarity to the situation and hence the move higher in Bitcoin. Add on to that the plans for the CME to introduce Bitcoin futures, and there's this bullish case for why the prices go higher. But the last couple of days should be, of course, a pointed reminder of how quickly things can turn in a very momentum-driven trade. So be sure to fine-tune your risk management tools. Now, there are those who believe still that there is a need for that software update to happen. So, Melissa, if you're an investor in crypto, especially in Bitcoin, better stay on top of those headlines. Back over to you. All right. Thank you very much, Dom. So let's go to our resident expert in Bitcoin investing, BK. There are a lot of factors here, but also the SEC chairman, I think just two days ago, came out and said that maybe the SEC should look into regulating ICOs or yeah. initial coin offerings, which maybe put some pressure on, on Bitcoin. Yeah, I too. think the, the pressure on Bitcoin was really due to the fact Don mentioned this, this fork, and it was almost going to be like a special dividend. So a lot of investors were buying Bitcoin to get this special dividend. So when that was canceled, in a sense, everybody decided, said, you know what, I'm going to sell whatever I bought to get the special dividend, and I'm going to go into other uh, cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin Cash. So Brian, that's really what happened. That, yeah. I mean, that would be my question, because I think a better tell for the entire crypto space is, what did the other coins do this week, if in fact this was a Bitcoin-specific event, and did some outperform and in fact have a great week? That's a great question, Thank Tim. You, so Bitcoin Brian, Cash, for example, which is a offshoot of Bitcoin was up almost 50% today. So put about $5 billion worth of market cap on just today. So a lot of the money that's in the ecosystem, and again, I think the best way to do it is just make a bet on the entire ecosystem. Uh, a lot of those other coins shot up this week. All right. Still ahead, a number of the big box retailers reporting earnings next week. And after retail's resurgence this week, there's one name the traders see taking off. We'll tell you what that is. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. Well, life all comes down to a few moments. And GE's big moment is Monday, when it kicks off its shareholder meeting. We'll tell you how to profit. Plus, talk about a drug bust. This is a raid. Not that kind of bust. Talking about the performance of biotech and big pharma. But one of our traders is buying the dip. And he'll tell us the name when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Time for a major buzzkill. Biotech getting crushed after big earnings busts. Check out the biotech ETF, the IBB, tumbling 9% from its high on October 6th, hovering near correction territory with names like Celgene, Alexion, Merck, Regeneron, Gilead, dragging the group down. So do you buy the stip, Keith? Uh, so I'll tell you flat out, I was wrong for the last month, month and a half. I have to put that out there, number one. Number two, Celgene to me made the first mistake they've made in the 10, 11 years we've been doing the show, number two. 
With all that said, Celgene traded down to levels that it held last year, 98.5-99, back above 100. Maybe that stock looks interesting again. And I do think the IBB, although it has sold off significantly, is still in a significant uptrend. So to answer your question, yes. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I buy the IBB here. I know I defend it all the time. But the reality is you're going to see a day, and we started to see a little light on this, where big cap biotech or big cap pharma comes in and makes some significant acquisitions that's going to put some juice behind this group. So you We've have to bulk out. That. Yeah, but we had Kite, and it didn't not, last. Gilead Kite is one, and people saw that as an all-clear sign for so what, what things of, to happen. You I need mean, to see big, big, uh, multiple. Like Bristol Myers? You need to see big, you know, combined? M&A. And you're going to see it. I, I believe you're going to see it. We've been it. waiting for this for, I know. forever. And I mean, when are they going to do that's it? That's what's holding back right now. But what's holding them back? What are they waiting for? Don't know the answer to that. That's the question. I mean, that's the problem. Look, there's there's a lot of egg on a lot of faces on this desk over this. There's certainly some here. Um, I do think you have a case where you have very good balance sheets, very good earnings multiples, and companies that are far from out of business. All right. uh, Shifting gears here. Tomorrow is officially Veterans Day, and it is a significant holiday not only to us, but also to our next guest, who raises money to help disabled Army Rangers and the families of those who have been killed in the line of duty. Jim Regan's son, Jimmy, was an Army Ranger who was killed while serving in Afghanistan and Jim here, he runs the Lead the Way charity, is holding a special event this Sunday that our very own BK is running. And I think Dan's going to attempt Dan, to run it Dan, as well. Dan's going to attempt. Nice job, guys. Jim, yeah, it's great. always great to see you. Welcome Melissa, back to you Fast for Money. Us back. It's been um, really I don't know how many years you've been coming on, but this event has been growing and growing and growing. Well, it's, it's 10 years since Jimmy was killed in 07, and it has been growing. We're going to be down on, on Sunday morning at Pier 45 at 945. About six to 700 people will be down. We're going to do run down uh, Heroes Highway, down Battery Park and back. Uh, it's a very patriotic event. Love for the, your, your viewers to be there. And then we go into the Chelsea Piers area and we go to Lighthouse and we have a brunch. And from there we have a Gold Star Memorial. We're honoring two wonderful rangers that had lost their lives a few years back. And um, it's, it's, I'll tell you what, it's great. It's a great event for the kids. It really is. It shows them something that, that what it takes and the sacrifice that Gold Star parents make with their kids. Do you have a goal in terms of fundraising? Because each dollar is very important yes. with helping these rangers and helping their families. We lo- we, yes, we'd love to raise about $100,000 in this event. We really would love to. Yeah. And uh, we've, we've gotten there close a few years. But, you know, who knows what this year is all about. Maybe but this year's the year, right, BK? This might You're be the ready. Year. No, it's a great organization, leadtheway.org, I believe, right? Is yes, the, yep. leadthewayfund.org. So come down on Sunday. Dan and I will be there running. There's a picture of us in our younger days. Uh, but come down and uh, see us. We'll be running the whole thing. I'll be running the whole thing. We'll see what Dan does. Jim, thank you so much great. for coming Thank by. you guys for having me. And, uh, Good luck you know, have a nice uh, holiday and, and uh, Thanksgiving. Happy Veterans thank Day. You, thank you, Jim. Appreciate it. Time for the final trade. Go around the horn, Tim. Uh, final trade, final trade. Baba, we talked all about it. What a great company. Glad I remembered. Selling a Foot Locker ahead of next week's earnings, I'd be selling it here aggressively. Thanks. You know what? I think you buy Mattel on this news. There's going to be other suitors. Along with Mr. Regan, we have two other vets. Dan Nathan's dad, we have Mr. Crump, both proud vets. There they are in set. Trinity Industries got you done. Thank you, gentlemen, for your service. Happy Veterans Day. Office Action's up next. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM. 
a leading global asset manager.